1: Hey kids, it's time for another Just Another Fanboy Classic episode. And while I don't have a lot to say about this one, I will say this. At one point in the episode, I start talking about the comic book podcasting community. And between then and now, that community has changed up quite a bit. I mean, I'm still finding people to be just as helpful and friendly as they were back then. But I also know that there are just a crap ton of comic book podcasts out there that I'm not even aware of. I mean, podcasting has really blown up over the last 15 years, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I do, however, miss the message boards. Without them, I honestly just don't feel as in tune or connected to you, the listeners, or to the folks in the podcasting community in general Now, the message boards just aren't a thing, and uh, I rather miss them, and I I wish they would come back because that was, I feel, something. Because you can go out on Twitter, you can go out on Reddit, but there's just something about a specific message board geared toward one particular thing that uh, just ties everything together. But uh, that being said, let's just move on, and we will listen to episode number nine of the original run of Just Another Fanboy. And this was originally published on Wednesday, October the 25th, 2006. Enjoy. You're listening to Just Another Fanboy, the only podcast that's missing teeth. Just Another Fanboy is a Lynx broadcasting production. Lynx, like the cat. Meow. Just me coming, boy. Welcome to Episode 09-er of Just Another Fanboy. This episode was recorded on October 24th, 2006, and has funny red hair. I'm your host, Stephen, and I join you once more from the mindless musings of a man on the brink of boredom. This week we have all your comic book, movie, and DVD news, or at least the stories that I feel are newsworthy. I'll run down my weekly comic book picks, Gary Returns for At The Movies with Gary Indiana, Norman lopes by to have a bit of a bitch session in The View from Norman, Oklahoma. This Week in Heroes will be coming at you like a pig dipped in chocolate, and we also see the return of the low-rent fanboy, Tip of the Week. But first, I got a couple things I'd like to say about the comic podcasting community. It wasn't but just a few weeks prior to starting the process of bringing this little bit of fluff to the internet airwaves that I ran across a little thing called Podcasts. I'm still slowly and quite forcefully inserting myself into this community of fanboys and girls who broadcast their love of comics worldwide, and I am finding that this is a friendly and helpful community indeed. Just last week I was all in a panic because we had a ton of people visit the site and yet no one was actually listening to a show. So I put a post up over at the Comic Geek Speak and around comics message boards and was quick to get great advice and words of encouragement from various comic book podcasters. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for your words and your willingness to let a guy like me through the door into your world. Actually, I, you know, I thought it would be a little nice to maybe spotlight a, uh, a comic book podcast. Uh, maybe I'll do this and I'll ramble like an idiot like this for a little while. <laughs> anyway, um, Let's get past that for a moment, okay? Let's just block that out of our minds and move on. This week, I want to talk about the Bullpen Bulletins over at bullpenbulletinspodcast.com. This is a Marvel-centric podcast hosted by Vince and David. Um, this is a podcast that just talks about Marvel comics. I believe it's weekly. I've only listened to a few episodes thus far, but I'm liking what, what they've got so far. If you're, if you're a Marvel fan, check it out. Um, even if the content sucked, which it doesn't, it would be worth it just for the the opening theme song alone because it kicks ass. Um, and speaking of podcasts, I actually had a great idea for a new comic book podcast. And if I wasn't already doing this show and I had more time on my hands, I'd do it myself. But I can't. So I thought I'd throw it out here and see if someone listening might like it and get something like this going. What I'm picturing is a comic book podcast that takes clips from other podcasts throughout the week, which you would, of course, need their permission uh, but then replay these clips talk soup style, um, kind of like a This Week in Comic Podcasting type of thing. Anyway, it's just an idea. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if it's already being done. Um, also, uh, I want to talk about if you're in the uh, Kansas City, Kansas, Missouri area, um, the Mocan Comics Conspiracy Comic Convention is happening this weekend, October 28th through the 29th. Uh, the 28th is a Saturday. It'll run from 10 to 5. Sunday from 10 to 4. Um, this will be located at the, oh, good Lord, I got the flyer in front of me, the BTC Exhibit Hall, Business and Technology College, 1775 Universal Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64120. Uh, looks like they got a lot of great guests lined up. Ed Brubaker, hello. Howard Chaykin, oh, yeah. Terry Moore, come on. Phil Hester, you gotta go. Uh, Andy Park, Steve Lytle, little? I don't know how you pronounce it, but he rocks. Uh, Freddie Williams, a second. Artist on Robin, go she. Looks like it's um, $7 for Saturday, $5 for Sunday, and kids 10 and under are free. Lucky little bastards. Um, anywhere, Anyway, be there. I probably won't be there. I have kids. I have uh prior commitments so i'm probably not going to make it but if you go and you're in the area you go and you want to talk about it email me i'll talk about it on the show Uh, i also wanted to let everybody know that as of the time i'm recording this episode the just another fanboy message board has gone down Uh, see i just felt like a little piece of me was missing when the comic geek speak boards went down last week and i just wanted to be part of all the fun so i took my board down Actually, uh, I host the board over through a different URL, and the registration of that URL came due, and I didn't get the payment in on time. But fear not, dear listener, the money has been paid, and now we're just waiting for everything to come back online. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this episode, the boards will be back up, but if they aren't, stay calm. They should be back up any second. Are they up now? Check. Now? Are they up now? Check. Check. Okay, whatever. And now, news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. This week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort is brought to you by the Marcel Marceau Home for Wayward Mimes. And to talk about the home, we have our very own Gary Indiana with an exclusive interview with one of the home's Wayward Mimes, a Mr. Smith.
2: Thank you for joining me here today, Mr. Smith. I wondered if you could tell us a little something about the Marcel Marceau Home for Wayward Mimes. Its history, how you came to be there, and how the place has helped you and other mimes. Uh Uh-huh. Oh. Very interesting. Oh. Thank you, Mr. Smith. That was quite enlightening.
1: The Marcel Marceau home for Wayward Mimes, because letting mimes just roam the street is tantamount to allowing anarchy and chaos to run amok. To coincide with the December 2006 broadcast premiere of the much-anticipated sequel to TNT's librarian, Quest of the Spear, Electronic Entertainment is pleased to announce the publication of the official graphic novel adaptation of the sequel exclusively from Atlantis Studios. The sequel, entitled Return to King Solomon's Mines, continues the action-packed adventures of Flynn Carson, a man charged with protecting a repository of humanity's greatest secrets, all hidden beneath the monolithic metropolitan metropolitan library from the forces of evil, who, if given the chance, would use the priceless treasures for their nefarious plans. The Librarian Graphic Novel is a 96-page full-color book adapted by writer James Watson, with art by Giuseppe d'Alia, veronica rosado and nate hill it is being produced by the atlanta-based atlantis studios a company specializing in the production of comics and graphic novels based on science fiction fantasy and adventure licensed properties a preview of the graphic novel is now available at atlantisstudiosnet slash librarian the librarian graphic novel adaptation of return to solomon's minds will be available to retailers at the end of november 2006 The dangerous supernatural world of John Constantine just landed its newest recruit, and it could mean trouble for everyone's favorite mystical raconteur. Vertigo is proud to announce that versatile and renowned writer Andy Diggle will be the new regular writer on Hellblazer, the imprint's longest-running series, starting with issue 230, hitting stores in March. Diggle, best known for lengthy and acclaimed runs on titles such as The Losers, Swamp Thing, Lady Constantine, and Adam Strange, will be taking the character of John Constantine back to his roots with a potent mix of supernatural horror and social relevance. And while Diggle will be mining Constantine's rich history, these stories will clearly serve as an ideal jumping-on point for new and former readers of the series. Diggle will be working with the title's current art team, featuring interiors by Leonardo Manco and covers by Lee Bermigio. Coming this December, Image Comics is readying a giant-size limited-edition hardcover chronicling the adventures of Mark Grayson, the teen superhero Invincible. Written by Wizard Fan Award winner Robert Kirkman and featuring artwork by Russ Manning, award nominees Corey Walker and Ryan Ottilie. Plus colors by Harvey Award-nominated colorist Bill Crabtree. The complete Invincible Library Volume 1 hardcover collects Invincible 1-24, through Zero, and the free Comic Book Day 2004 story. Plus over 150 pages of sketchbook material, covers, scripts, and the original proposal. Clocking in at almost 800 pages, it will retail for $125. Following in the footsteps of the 2005's Walking Dead deluxe hardcover, the Invisible Library is being released for the holidays and will never be reprinted after its initial run of 2,500 copies. There will also be a signed and numbered edition signed by Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley, and Cory Walker, strictly limited to 300 copies. The Complete Invincible Library Volume 1 hardcover is a 768-page limited edition hardcover, available in a regular edition for $125 and a signed and numbered edition for $175. Both books are available for order in the October issue of Previews and will go on sale December 6th. The Birmingham International Comic Show takes place in England on the 9th and 10th of December at the City Center's Popular Arts and Media Complex, The Custard Factory. The city of Birmingham played host to the first-ever comic book convention in Great Britain Britain, back in 1968. BICS will honor that proud heritage by putting on a spectacular event that includes special international guests, along with some of the best and homegrown talent. Further details can be found at BICS's official website on thecomicsshow.co.uk. An exclusive up-to-the-minute news can now be sent directly to interested parties. Additional information, art, photos, articles, and interviews may also be supplied on request. The Birmingham International Comic Show promises to be a show to remember. So if you love comics, make a date. Christmas is coming early this year. According to Rich Johnson's Lying in the Gutter's comic book rumor column over at Comic Book Resources, Stuart Eminen has been confirmed as the new artist on Ultimate Spider-Man when Mark Bagley leaves after issue 110. Artist Freddie E. Williams II, a relative newcomer to the field known for his work on Robin and Seven Soldiers' Mr. Miracle, has signed an exclusive contract with DC Comics. Williams first broke onto the scene with his work on superstar Grant Morrison's Mr. Miracle miniseries, part of his epic Seven Soldiers event. Currently, Williams II is teaming with writer Adam Beechin on the adventures of the Boy Wonder in the pages of Robin. Big Apple Conventions, New York's longest-running comic book, art, toy, and sci-fi expo, is excited to announce Val Kilmer and Adam West, two of the most popular actors to don the cape and cowl of the Dark Knight, will both be appearing at the national show November 17th to 19th at the Penn Plaza Pavilion. The Penn Plaza Pavilion is located at 401 7th Avenue on the corner of 33rd Street, directly across the street from Madison Square Garden and Penn Station. In addition, legendary comic book artists John Romita Sr. and Neil Adams will be in attendance over the three days. Fan favorite John Romita Jr. and master of comic macabre Bernie Wrightson will also be on hand for the show. This year's Artist Alley features artists from the golden age of comics to today's favorite creators selling original art and commissioned artwork. A variety of merchants will have comic books, original art, celebrity autographs, movie posters, action figures, and countless other collectibles available for enthusiasts. Comic books available from dealers range from hot off the press to some of the most valuable books on the market today. An issue of Superman No. 1 sold for $26,000 at the last show, as well as an issue of Amazing Spider-Man No. 1 for $8,500. Admission is $15 at the door. Advance tickets, and for more information, go to BigAppleCon.com or call 201-861-1414. And on DVD this week, Batman Beyond Season 2, Justice League Unlimited Season 1, Nacho Libre, Nightmares and Dreamscapes from the stories of Stephen King, three disc set and That's My Bush, two disc set. And that was this week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. And now my comic book picks of the week. This week from D.C., 52, number 25, written by Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, and Mark Wade. Breakdowns by Keith Giffen, covers by J.G. Jones. The story of the year continues in four more chapters of America's only weekly superhero adventure. In this issue, that's the, the Black Marvel family. Plus, The Origin of Nightwing by Wade and George Perez. Action Comics, number 844, written by Jeff Johns and Richard Donner. Art and cover by Adam Kubert. Jeff Johns joins forces with Richard Donner and artist extraordinaire Adam Kubert for Last Son, the tale of a small child from the planet Krypton. Sent by his parents to Earth with powers beyond imagination, the child's future potential is limitless, especially when Superman finds him. Don't miss this amazing comics event. Justice number eight, written by Jim Kruger and Alex Ross, art by Doug Braithwaite and Ross, cover by Ross. The worst fears of the Justice League are realized as the villains strike through those closest to the heroes. And for Marvel this week, we have Captain America number 23, written by Ed Brubaker, art by Mike Perkins, cover by Steve Epting. The Civil War continues to rage through Cap's life tearing away every life it touches. In part two of the three-part Drums of War arc, we find out how the Red Skull is taking advantage of the split in the hero community to lay plans for his greatest revenge, and the Winter Soldier comes face-to-face with Cap once again. But which side will he choose? Daredevil number 90, written by Ed Brubaker, art by Michael Lark, cover by Lee Bermijo. The Devil Takes a Ride races into the second of five parts as Daredevil finds himself in Paris on the hunt for some very dangerous men, but they just might be hunting him as well. And those were my comic book Picks of the Week. And now, the triumphant return of the low-rent fanboy Tip of the Week.
3: If you got Money, I've got the time. We'll go honking, talking, and we'll have a time. We'll make all the nice spots, dance, bring beer, and wine. If you got the money, honey, I've got the
1: time. This week's tip: get a job at a comic book store. Back in the mid to late 90s, I took a second job working at a local comic shop, and I can't tell you how many different books you're going to get to be able to read just working at a comic shop. See, I was in charge of opening and closing the store every Saturday, and with working in a comic book store, there really isn't a lot of busy work to do. Not like working at a burger joint where the motto is, you got time to lean, you got time to clean. The most I had to do each day was to dust off counters, and it's not like your average comic book store is a flurry of activity all day, so I was able to spend most of each Saturday sitting behind the counter reading comics. Heck, you don't even have to work there. You could just try to make friends with the owner and just hang out, talk comics, and best of all, read comics. Of course, the quickest way to make friends with the owner of a comic book store is to buy stuff, so keep that in mind. But if you want to be able to read pretty much all the comics that are available each week and not have to pay for them, then my suggestion to you would be to try as you might to gain employment with a comic book store. They even pay you. And that was this week's low rent tip. So I guess that moves us right along to At the Movies with Gary Indiana. Where
3: are you?
2: Hey folks, Gary Indiana here, and I'm afraid I ain't got a winner to announce this week as, well, no one's taken even a guess at last week's line. I mean, you can't win the $10 iTunes gift certificate if you don't even take a guess. So I'm just going to scrap last week's and just start off with a new line. You ready?
1: And now this week's movie quote.
2: I don't want to kill you, and you don't want to be dead.
1: Do you think you know the movie? Email us here at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com and give us your answer. And who knows, you too may win a $10 iTunes gift certificate. it's time for this week on heroes a spoilerific look at the latest episode of heroes on nbc the hero nakamura from the future meets peter petrelli on a subway train and tells him to go to isaac and wait for his call he tells peter the world is doomed unless they can save the cheerleader save the cheerleader save the world Peter can't convince Mohinder that time had stopped and that Peter talked to a man from the future, and so Mohinder just decides to go back to India while Peter seeks out Isaac on his own. Meanwhile, Peter's brother Nathan is taken from his Las Vegas hotel room where he's just spent the night with uh, Nikki's alter ego. Uh, His abductors are HRG and a man that the internet community has theorized as Nicky's missing husband, uh, D.L., HRG and the Nameless Man take Nathan by gunpoint to an outside parking lot where Nathan escapes by flying away in what was probably the most kick-ass scene in the show thus far. Uh, Hero and his friend, meanwhile, the hero from the present and his friend are taken by the high roller they cheated in Vegas, beat up, put into a van, and driven to the desert and dumped. The two split up and Hero is left at a roadside diner where he witnesses Nathan's landing, which is also pretty cool. Hero, who seems to suddenly uh, can talk some pretty decent English, uh, tells Nathan that he had uh, that he's on his way to New York to stop what he saw in the future. Nathan is skeptical but gives Hero a ride back to Vegas when his people show up to fetch him. Uh, Claire uh, wakes up, or Claire is taken to the hospital after driving the quarterback into a solid wall in an attempt to kill him. We find out he's not dead. Uh, but she tells her father, uh, HRG, that she purposely drove the car into the wall um, because the quarterback tried to rape her. Uh, he's date raped other girls, and he's going to continue to do so. And she had to stop him. Uh, HRG then goes to visit Mr. Quarterback in his hotel room and basically threatens to kick his ass. But uh, um, his his nameless stranger friend that a lot of people are thinking are DL uh, comes in and he tells him to, to hollow him out, um, basically start him over. And so when Claire comes into his room later to apologize for what she did, um, the quarterback, you know, basically does the whole, uh, who are you and what do you keep calling me Brody or, or whatever his name is? Um, Nikki in the meantime heads back home after her debt has been cleaned, uh, for sleeping with Peter Petre- or sleeping with Nathan Petrelli and, um, that's when uh, uh the cops are there and they tell her that that DL is on the loose and they think he's coming to get her. And some guy uh comes up to the house. The cops grab him and throw him in cuffs. And it turns out to be Hiro Nakamura's friend who, for some reason, uh thinks he's just going to come on over to Nikki's house since he's been, uh you know, paying to see her stripped naked on the Internet and talking to her a lot online. I I, I don't know. I guess he thought he could he could just show up and go, hey, baby, it's me. And, you know, she'd get it on with him. It was kind of a, a, a creepy, creepy aspect of that guy. Um, Matt, the cop, um, he's, uh wakes up in his home. His his wife has been calling uh, the police station and trying to figure out where he is because he's been gone for a day. And he wakes up on the couch with no memory at all of being kidnapped and, and messed with by HRG and this mysterious stranger. And uh, so we're assuming then that this guy swiped his memory uh, but he uses his, his ability to read minds to then basically do a Mel Gibson from what women want and be the perfect husband. Uh, they, they have a, a nice little date. And, um, then he goes to the uh, local convenience store to get her coffee and ice cream, where he reads the mind of a kid that's about to rob the place, talks him out of robbing the place, grabs the guy's gun. Everybody starts freaking out. And that's all we see of him. Um, Nathan, in the meantime, of course, is being blackmailed by uh, this Vegas mob, and they've offered to give him $2 million towards his campaign. But he's realizing at this point, if they've gone through all the trouble to blackmail him, they obviously want him to win because they want a congressman in their pocket. So he ups it to $4 million. So there's a lot of theories bans- bouncing around on the Internet that this uh Nathan might be a villain in training. I- I'm not buying it. Um, let's see what else happened. Uh, Peter goes to visit, visit Isaac, um, is explained to Isaac that, um, um, you know, the, the future is doomed unless they do something starts looking through all Isaac's paintings, sees the cheerleader, starts putting the paintings together and realizes that they kind of, uh, 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 fit together in a, a comic book, uh, fashion. I say, uh, a lot. Ooh. Uh, anyway, he sees that one of the panels per se is not finished. Um, tries to get isaac to finish it isaac of course is out of heroin he's out of his smack so he can't finish it isaac or peter then at that point shows that he can take the powers of those with abilities that are near him and winds up finishing the painting himself to show that the cheerleader is in fact in danger um the big Cliffhanger, I guess you could say at the end of the episode was Nikki back at home and we see DL, uh, in the house hiding, waiting for her. That was pretty much it. It was a, it was a pretty good episode. Uh, it was pretty kick ass to see Nathan flying. That was pretty cool. He seemed to break the sound barrier. Uh, so looking forward to next week's episode, which looks like it's, we're going to have a lot of Nikki running around her house, kicking DL's ass. Um, and that's a bit. That's, that was this weekend, this weekend heroes. Um, normally the last few weeks, the, the heroes segment here has been completely scripted. This week, I tried to do it from the top of my head because I didn't really have time to write it out. And so you can probably tell the, the low quality of this week's segment. Uh, but I ain't apologizing. Kiss my tuckers, Um, which brings to a nice segue to the view from Norman, Oklahoma. The View from Norman, Oklahoma A weekly segment in which our resident Bitter old fanboy pisses and moans About the comic book industry Or just anything that generally pisses him off And so, ladies and gentlemen May I present to you Norman, Oklahoma
2: Alright This is what I'm talking about This here is My new intro music You like it? something I'm trying out Alright! Go, boy, go! Alright, cut it! Alright, then. Now, I want to speak this week on the rumors running around the net regarding the supposed death that's going to come knocking on Mary Jane Parker's door come the end of Civil War from Marvel Comics. For those of you who don't know, Mary Jane Parker is the wife of Peter Parker, the amazing, the spectacular, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Joe Quesada, editor-in-chief over at Marvel, has made no secret about his feelings that Spider-Man could be a much better book were Mary Jane somehow written out of the picture. This, as well as an image that was apparently leaked out on the internet showing Spider-Man clinging to a headstone with Mary Jane's name on it, has made a majority of Netnam postulate that Mary Jane will die at the end of Civil War. Frankly, I think that's just a great big load of hooey. Sure, Joey Q has stated his disdain for Mary Jane, But he's also said over and over that killing her off is not the answer. Does no one remember Joey Q riding up and down the internet posting bile and hatred towards a certain Marvel character named Speedball? Don't you recall all the times Mr. Q said that the one thing he has always wanted to do as editor-in-chief was to kill off Speedball? Don't you remember when all the netheads were posting about criticizing Joey Q for his so-called plans to kill Speedball in the first issue of Civil War? Is Speedball dead? No, he ain't. So how about this so-called leaked image? Well, I seem to recall another leaked image from a page of Astonishing X-Men. It had been rumored that Josh Whedon and John Cassidy were planning on bringing back an X-Men from the grave. And then a page of John Cassidy's artwork appeared online showing Cyclops with Phoenix. And everyone knew, just knew, that they were bringing back Phoenix. But lo and behold, they brought back Colossus instead. And then we find out that the phoenix image was a red herring. And you all fell for it. I mean, come on! Marvel even has the Mary Jane gravestone image up at their website showing it as the cover to Spider-Man Reign number one. And yet, I still hear and read about people talking about her supposed death and using that image as their proof. Well, mark my words, Marvel zombies, Mary Jane Parker will not die during Civil War. And if she does, well, I'll sing a song about kittens and puppies and Fluffy clouds and all that kind of fluffily buffalo stuff here on the show. <laughs> I mean, I just, what, what's so funny?
1: You know, I hope they do really kill her off, Norma, because yeah. I would just love to hear this song.
2: You know what? Why don't you just shut up already? <laughs> I'm tired of you always messing with me and flapping your gums all over the place and a flippity and a it. <laughs> You're going to push me too far, son. I mean it. Mark my words. <laughs> That's it. I'm out
1: of uh, uh, <laughs> Well, uh, Thank you for that, door, but I haven't had a laugh like that in a long time. Uh, well, and now for Stephen's Song of the Week. This week's song comes from a now-defunct band hailing from the town of Lawrence, Kansas, and features, well, me. There was a time back in the 80s and 90s that I considered myself something of a, mu- of a musician. But, well, then I realized I was just a drummer. A- any- anyway. I was part of a little-known garage band back in the 90s that went by the name of Larry, and this is the first song off of our first demo, and the song is called "Whole." Enjoy. That's what I'm talking about, baby. That drummer was smoking. Anyway, this brings another eye-poking episode to a close. Please take a moment to show me how much you love and care for this show, because you know you do. You can do that in four ways. You could send me an email at fanboy at gmail.com, and I'll read it on the show. You could sign up and post at the message board at pythonland.com slash fanboy, hopefully it's up. You can go to Podcast Alley at PodcastAlley.com, search for Just Another Fanboy, and vote for the show. Or you could find the show on iTunes and write a review and be the first to do. Or you could be the ultimate fanboy and just do all four. The theme song for the show is Comic Book by the Super Spies. Find it and information about the band at GarageBand.com. The rest of the music from this week's episode comes from the Pod Show Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. So, until next week, I'm Stephen, I'm Gary, and I'm Norman, and, and I'm just another fanboy.
3: Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.